0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitian's Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode
1: 187 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are going to cover top keto fails or pitfalls and what we can do about them. And I feel like it's been a minute since we've had a totally keto-specific topic on here. So it's about time.
2: Absolutely. Considering that we talk about it almost every day in clinic in some (laughs) capacity, and a lot of episodes allude to a fat fuel diet, we haven't talked about the ketogenic diet and its evolution and where people are going wrong and all of the course correcting (laughs) that we do. So today will be fun. Totally. So what we'll do
1: is I think we'll hit about five of some of the biggest pitfalls that we have been seeing just within our clients, our keto class participants, and just the greater keto community at large. And we'll present both the quote unquote problem and the fix or solution as we see it. So if your keto has hit a slump or if you're just needing to be kind of reignited or re-inspired, you're in the right place.
2: And even if you're keto curious and you keep hearing us talk (laughs) about this thing and you're wondering why you have not experienced the keto high yet or maybe haven't felt motivated, now might be the time. So we actually have another episode called Keto Pitfalls and I think we're sticking with the name as a repeat because we make the rules. It's our damn podcast. (laughs) That's what we're doing. And Keto Pitfalls version one was episode 47. So that was a while back, more than three years ago. Holy Uh cow. Yeah. (laughs) And then episode 100 is five ways to solve your keto slump. And episode 99 was food as medicine applying ketosis or ketosis as medicine, I believe it was. So 99 and 100 are really great deep dive episodes as well. But today will be a little bit more timely and a fun conversation nonetheless.
1: Totally. And super appropriate with, um, the decision to release our next keto class and start opening spots up for that, um, starting May 27th. So we bumped it a little bit earlier than we had originally planned, just based on the fact that a lot of you guys are probably at home right now and maybe looking to add in some structure and routine with all of the unknown, and based on the fact that KetoCon is not happening this yeah, year. Yeah, we
2: definitely yep. were waiting until after KetoCon, we were going to have a vending booth, give you all of the hugs, <laughs> and you know, do something fun there. So instead, we figure, since why wait another month? Let's get ripping and rolling so that we can all get adapted into a tight regimen as we start to transition out of the shelter-in-place so that we have a program per se because we know that if you don't have a plan sometimes things can go a little bit wayside so we want to make sure that you're all locked and loaded for a successful summer and ending this period of time where a lot of us have maybe fallen off plan or are struggling to find structure to get right back on track so a little bit about our program it is every other week a live webinar which we do on Wednesdays I teach the class and Becky moderates it live, so you're able to type in questions as I'm lecturing and Becky provides direct resources. It might be a blog link or a podcast episode or just a direct answer or a supplement link or something like that. And then at the end, I'll take a live Q&A and definitely making sure that we cover those common questions that have circulated. And I will say that probably only 30% of participants attend the live class because it's just damn near impossible to find a time when we can all collect at the same time. We actually have international participants. And so, you know, finding the right time zone as well as time between soccer practice and evening work events and all the things is. Pretty difficult so we do it on Wednesday and it's midday over the lunch hour at least central standard time lunch hour and the classes are 75 minutes to 90 minutes in length and what is super unique about my food is medicine 12 week ketosis program is that it applies functional medicine so of all of the six classes there are going to be specific topics whether we're discussing addressing metabolic disease. And we get geeky. You guys know I get geeky. So we're talking about things like dawn phenomenon, and we're taking things deeper than insulin resistance. We're talking about the role of non-caloric sweeteners, which we'll dig into today. We talk about troubleshooting your results, which we'll talk a little bit about today. And we go into things like leaky gut and reducing food sensitivities. What is an anti-inflammatory approach to the diet? Why would you consider a carnivore? approach what is a bone broth fast we cover the hpa axis and how stress messes with your adrenals thyroid and metabolism we dig into the microbiome and determine if you're in a state of dysbiosis or an optimal symbiotic gut that's working for you and for your mood and metabolism and then we talk about the things lifestyle and diet that could play a role with driving imbalance with your microbiome We address hormone health and how you can play with carb cycling as well as the role of leptin, which is a big piece of the puzzle. And we even get into neurological conditions, genetic considerations, and how your body detoxifies, ending you with a program option to go into a 10-day detox on the heels of your likely potential 10% of your body weight loss in fat.
1: Totally. And, and our goal with this program is, you know, beyond having a successful keto program and the outcomes that you're looking for, whether it's weight loss or homo- hormone reset, is really to give you an entry point into functional medicine and all of the things that we talk about on this podcast. And I have to say, it's a really good value as, you know, it's uh, the cost of the program is less than both Allie and I's initial Consult. So you get six um six classes live and twelve weeks of support. And then beyond the twelve weeks, you can stay in our Facebook group for life, and people Mm -hmm. often do, um, just to have that baseline of support of a community. And we also have people constantly repeating the class too. So I think that speaks volume about, you know, the information is different every time. You're gonna get something different out of it every single time. That you do it and we did add in january special discounts on labs and supplements just to give you guys a little bit more access to all of our functional medicine resources to really accelerate your results
2: yes and so as becky said although we call it a 12-week food is medicine ketosis program the biggest emphasis is really a deep dive into functional medicine and really learning how to use food as medicine to work for your body. So we have various protocols, we have a lot of tools and worksheets to help you to customize things, adjusting your workout, adjusting your macros, maybe you're gonna go protein heavy and a little bit lighter on the fat based on your composition needs or based on comorbidities or disease conditions. We guide you and handhold you the whole way. And our goal and the outcome is that you feel better in your skin. You feel more vitality. You feel more resilience. You're sleeping better. You're thinking clear, And that might mean that that is a form of nutritional ketosis. And it might mean that it's a low glycemic diet. And we will guide you in figuring out how your body can best serve you with food as medicine as opposed to my plan or my program. Totally.
1: So head on over to alliemillerrd.com slash ketosis hyphen class to grab your spot. May 27th will and be you know, here before we know it.
2: The new website might be out. It might, so it might yeah, be a new, new URL. <laughs> but
1: I will link it in, in the show notes. Um, yes. And it's easy enough to find if you just Google Ally Miller ketosis, it will still pop up.
2: I'm sure it will. Yep. most definitely. Yep. So I'm going to grab a quick moment for our opening sponsor, Further Food, and then we will jump into pitfall number one. So, Further Food makes the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health tonic foods. We love their collagen and gelatin based on their sourcing, which is of the utmost quality being grass-fed, pasture-raised, or wild-caught in the case of their cod collagen. And all of their products are non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free. Becky and I both have exclusively transitioned to Further Foods as our vendor of choice for collagen and gelatin, and we love the versatility of collagen in both hot and cold beverages. i started slipping into cold brew coffee season over here in austin texas and i love blending that into my cold brew or making a smoothie incorporating both my grass-fed whey and a little bit of collagen in there for stella we know that collagen and gelatin is fantastic support for the gut and connective tissue and a great way to also boost in protein in your baked goods so i'll add them into my for instance low carb collagen zucchini muffins which are also featured in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook Um, You'll see other recipe features from Further Foods throughout that cookbook, which includes gelatin gummies. Um, I even use them as a welcomed chew in my low-carb chocolate chip cookies. And when you're adding collagen and gelatin to your beverages or your snacks or even treats, You know that you're getting positive support for your hair, skin, and nails. You can even reduce the appearance of cellulite, as shown in a double-blind placebo study, which we talk about on episode 144 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, all about collagen. Um, So check out that episode to learn more about why we love further food. And maybe even more importantly, just go on over to furtherfood.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. You will save on your first order and you let them know that you've heard about their products from the Naturally Nourished podcast. Yes.
1: I am up to three scoops of collagen right now with all of the skin stretching and
2: second trimester
1: goodness that I'm experiencing. Baby grow My body. Yes. Yes. All right, um, so kicking off here, Allie, with pitfall number one, and I know this is one that just really gets both of us, and and you know, I don't think we're gonna see this question go away, um, but it's the narrow focus of a yes or no food list for keto. And I personally belong to a couple of like regional keto groups on Facebook, and I constantly. <laughs> And it drives me nuts to see people posting like garbage food labels and asking the group, is this keto? And I have to like refrain from commenting every time because I'm like, I'm not the moderator. This is not my group.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the pitfall? Worrying about it being a keto approved food. Exactly. So
1: the yes or no food list I think is, is the biggest.
2: Sure. And I I think honestly, as a rule of thumb, if I see the word keto on a product, I'm probably going to run like hell because that (laughs) generally means chemical shitstorm, or it also often means that it's going to have a non caloric sweetener. So, you know, the big question to answer is does my body produce ketones still when consuming XYZ, or, you know, is this going to kick me out of a metabolic state of ketosis? Because there isn't a yes-no keto food list. There is a metabolic state of nutritional ketosis, which is based on the individual's glucose tolerance, Um, their level of insulin resistance, their level of glucose demand and metabolism. So how much muscle mass do they have, which is going to increase glucose uptake into the musculature structure. Um, We're going to take into account stress and cortisol levels when talking about metabolism. So there's so many pieces of the puzzle of whether you would be in a state of nutritional ketosis or not. And then I say, is this a real food, as the correct question to ask when looking at a product. Is this a whole food? And I'm not talking about something purchased from Whole Foods Market. I'm talking about something that you can imagine growing. You can identify its edible parts still being intact. You can imagine what's been done to it since harvest or mimic that process within your own household. Um, And so if we're taking this example of something that has my favorite one to beat up on, erythritol, right, which is in a lot of keto products, erythritol, whether it is non-GMO erythritol, which not all of it is, it's corn-derived, right? So erythritol is a corn-derived non-caloric sweetener. And it would take like a Breaking Bad food lab to take a ear of corn and make a white powder erythritol out of that it's not possible you cannot imagine it growing none of its edible parts are intact and a lot of it's been done since harvest and probably a lot's been done to it while it was growing in the process like glyphosate you know residue which we see with the 93 percent of corn that is genetically modified so A lot of things have been done since harvest and um, my biggest picture and as you'll see consistent with the anti-anxiety diet cookbook is learning about your own metabolic flexibility. So if you want something that tastes sweet, adjust your palate to be more savory so that it requires less sweet or less carbohydrate density to satiate that flavor profile, and you can still stay in a metabolic state of ketosis. So my avocado brownies that are in the cookbook, for instance, Use three to four dates that you soak in water and then that's pureed into the base of the brownie Well, the brownie also has a lot of coconut oil. The brownie also has nut butter in there. It has eggs So it has a lot of fat (laughs) and then it has avocado contributing further and cacao powder and those dates and it works in a synergy that eating that brownie for most people that have metabolic flexibility and are fat adapted, they are easily going to stay into a state of ketosis. Now, maybe eating that brownie in a meal that also included a siete tortilla and maybe also included a quarter cup of uh, roasted sweet potatoes, that might kick over my lever and I may kick myself out of ketosis, but any one of those given choices on a given day where I'm walking my 10,000 steps and using my body and I'm maintaining in a (laughs) mellow-ish as best Mm -hmm. I can state, I'm still going to be in a state of ketosis. And so I would not require that or call that a carb cycle. I would call that eating within my metabolic flexibility.
1: Totally. And and this element of metabolic flexibility, it may not be appropriate to do some of those choices that Allie's saying when you're first starting out in keto. Um, so usually in our program for that first like six weeks, we keep it pretty tight a little bit more of the black and white and then start to kind of ease some of these foods in in smaller amounts and those still can totally fit within your 30 grams of carbs or maybe you find that you do better at like 45 to 50 grams based on your activity and that the food you know you can't just say does this fit? Is this a yes or no? Depends on how much you ate it, the state of your body, the amount of muscle you have, even the setting that you consumed it in and what you paired it with, quite frankly, will make
2: a difference. Time of the day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Timing of your exercise in relationship to. <laughs> totally. So much. So, yes, we do. We layer in, like everything, you have to kind of tear off the band aid or wring out. To push the reset button. And so I always say with restriction comes more freedom. And what that means is we want to get you successfully adapted into producing ketones so that you can be, quote unquote, fat adapted. Your body can be familiar with functioning as a hybrid machine, making both ketones and glucose, right? And then from there, you will do some testing to confirm that you are adapted or in a state of ketosis, and then you'll start to create some associations of how you feel in that state so that you don't have to become dependent on your meter, you don't have to be dependent on your urine strips, which will get diluted over time anyway. Um, But I know for me personally, I do really well in what we call like a phase 1.5. So there's a tight phase one, which is tighter carb control. 1.5 is kind of exploring your metabolic flexibility. And then phase two of my program allows for a higher carb allotment for intentional carb cycling while still staying overall low glycemic. So I note that I do really well in a phase 1.5. And if I restrict too much into that phase one, even if it's based on you know accident or unintentional, just missing foods, that i get really wiry personally i run very high adrenaline um i run like in phase zero of adrenal fatigue whereas you know a lot of clients run like phase two or three. Zero means no adrenal fatigue and so when my ketones go over like a 1.8 in a blood meter if i'm hitting the twos I start to kind of feel this like bone jitter and it's not a pleasant grounded state (laughs) I find that nutritional ketosis in a light range keeps me very grounded my thoughts are very balanced I am able to process things cognitively I'm able to multitask everything feels very clear, but things start to get excitatory when I over-restrict and go too deep in. So for everyone, there's a sweet spot and it's not about a scorecard. It's about healing and feeling optimal in your body.
1: Yeah. And like tuning into those signals of your body, which depending on how long you haven't been listening to your body, it can take You know, some time to kind of get to that state that Allie is describing where she knows what works for her. But that is our ultimate goal in getting anyone into ketosis, quite frankly, is they can, you know, notice and observe their body and really find that rhythm of, of what works for them. And then they can adapt based on, you know, influx of demand or based on season or based on what's going on stress-wise. And I think we'll get into that a little bit later too.
2: I think that's a really good point to make. And I know, you know, if I have, for instance, like a photo shoot coming up or something where I want to feel tight and I'm able to get good quality sleep and lower my clinic load and lower the projects I have, I can easily do like a five to 10 day, like Mm -hmm. really tight, even almost close to carnivore approach and and, and really get some solid muscle definition. But I know that if I push the lever too high on the stress load, that that is disaster, insomnia, (laughs) anxiety. Can't do that all at once. (laughs) Yes, most definitely. So you have to prioritize. Yeah. When you're trying to save the world, you have to do that and let your carbs loosen a little bit, I guess. Uh I don't know. (laughs) So let's just hit a little bit before we go on to pitfall number two. Um, So the answer to that was, yeah, it's not a yes or no food list. With that being said, you still have to carb restrict, of course, and we'll go into macros with the next question to get into a state of ketosis. But the first priority is not is it keto it's is it a whole food Mm -hmm. because if you're not eating whole foods it doesn't matter how perfect your pie chart of your macros are which is why i hate the like liquid diet programs and all these shortcuts to keto Mm -hmm. your body is still going to be metabolically handicapped and you might see some short-term weight loss but all of that's waiting for you in other endocrine imbalances so is it a whole real food Um, can you imagine it growing are all of its edible parts intact what's been done to it since harvest so taking a little step further beyond, you know, identifying a date, right, which we can literally imagine growing on the tree. We're pulling that pit out versus the white powder erythritol. I want to just unpack a little bit further why I hate non-caloric sweeteners because it's, <laughs> it's just one of my favorite things to riff on. And um, I just think that there's so much misinformation on there. Again, if like Becky said, people will message us on our blog. Can I update this recipe to be keto? (laughs) Um, And we're like, well, it is. I mean, I'm in a state of ketosis when I eat a serving of it. so I'm sure (laughs) it's going to happen. I
1: just posted today your um, modified Greek yogurt cheesecake bars, which are delicious. And I think come in, it's either 16 or 19 grams of fat. So really high fat. They're made with full fat cream cheese and um, full fat Greek yogurt. And then they use, I think, two tablespoons of honey in the whole recipe and like two to four dates in the crust. But there's four
2: eggs. Right. And right. The crust is predominantly nuts.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so the carbs come in at like nine grams. I'm sure I haven't looked at comments today, but I'm sure it's like.
2: Total grams of carbs? Oh, this isn't cute. Yes. nine
1: Total. And then we subtract. The fiber. You know, the fiber is probably about four grams. So it would be coming out to five grams of, of net if we're going there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so big picture. I, I'm not a big fan of non-caloric sweeteners for a couple reasons. Um, one is that they're processed. I think I made that clear. Um, based on the processed ingredient, there's various health risks. So, you know, we've seen that, for instance, saccharin is one of the more gnarly sweeteners that is a chemical uh, sweetener which can be tied to tumor growth, and that's in the pink packets. Isn't that correct? I'm so dissociated from hospital life. <laughs> That's how pink I always remember: the blue is equal, the equal sweet the and low, yeah. The pink, the pink yeah. is the saccharin. That's yep. what I remember. Yep. I
1: remember it from my grandma's purse back oh, in the day. Oh like, yeah.
2: <laughs> Right, and then you know, there's you know various forms of sugar alcohols. Uh, sugar alcohols all are going to generally have like an ol mm-hmm. at the end of them, like sorbitol, erythritol, as I mentioned, xylitol. Um, the sugar alcohols can definitely cause a lot of GI distress. Um, they can create osmotic variants within the digestive tract causing bloating, distension, loose stool, um, bowel urgency or rapid motility and that can throw off our electrolytes which can make the keto flu even worse if you're just getting started with a low carb approach. And then things like stevia, you know a lot of extraction goes from taking also a green leaf to a clear liquid or a white powder. And when we isolate the sweet um, glycosides and we try to remove that bitter impact, um, we're seeing that we're we're looking at things that are you know 300 times sweeter than table sugar. So with any of these non-caloric sweeteners, even if they seem closer to a plant and maybe not chemically derived, um, there still is an extraction. But the more concerning element is the cephalic response. There's this taste of sweet and that actually influences our glucagon-like peptide taste receptors on our tongue which interfere with how our body regulates blood sugar so it interferes with our glucose and insulin and glucagon which means glucose is not here right so stimulating glucose release Um, and we see that that also creates signaling to the hypothalamus, which interferes with leptin and satiety. So we've seen research studies that show that people that consume diet products overeat because they experience less satiety. And we also know point blank behaviorally that it's still giving permission or desire for sweet tasting thing. Like sweet is good. That's a reward still. Um, and so when you're at a wedding, you know, it's, you're always going to crave wedding cake. When you're at Starbucks, you're always going to crave those cake pops, right? And you're white knuckling discipline for the keto version of the chemical shitstorm. And it, I find it so much superior to just break up with sweet and channel savory so that when you're at those events, literally, I get a visceral bleh mm-hmm. face when I think of true cake because it it makes my stomach turn it just sounds disgusting to me but if I ate all of these hyper palatable super sweet foods that would taste normal and desirable so you have to break up with the abusive boyfriend and not replace them with someone in their shape and form you need to really reset the relationship and how you define your relationship with food and really that starts with resetting your palate to savory totally
1: Um, I'm a little disappointed we don't get to see the trends of KetoCon this year because that's always an interesting place to see kind of what's happening in the product space. Yeah. And I think there has started to be more pushback against these, you know, heavily processed and non-caloric sweetener laden foods. I mean, they still definitely exist. And like you said, they're the ones with like keto stamped (laughs) <laughs> all over them. And it's like, that is just code word for it. has got crap in it. Don't eat it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're starting to see the pushback. We'll, we'll keep pushing the boulder up the hill because I'm sure they're not going away anytime there soon. There is quite a
2: hill. And, and I didn't even get into, there's yeah. a whole episode on why I hate non caloric sweeteners, yep. and I probably need to do it again. Um, there's another episode we did called Real Food Keto and that's mm-hmm. episode 118. So definitely check that out if this resonates with you and you want a deeper dive. But We didn't even get into the influence of how non-caloric sweeteners are bacteriostatic and they sterilize your gut microbiome, you know. So the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook is a great resource too because I have a table of, well, I have first five reasons why I hate non-caloric sweeteners and then a table of whole food replacements and why they actually have health benefits, how they actually serve your body. So every time you put something in your mouth, you have the opportunity to make an empowering choice and you have an opportunity to give your body something that it needs to thrive.
1: All right. I think we nailed that one. So let's move on to pitfall number two, and this is being too macro obsessed. So this is one that a lot of our class participants really fall victim to and you know fair enough we do spend a good portion of that first class kind of helping them find their macros define within um, our class we have a three-tiered protocol but it's when there's this rigidity or like macros or bust approach
2: that I think we get into
1: trouble yeah that too (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh
2: yes so you know like Becky said you need some quantitative layering if you will or quantitative restrictions or ranges to get clinical outcomes and yes nutritional ketosis requires a limitation of carbohydrates but if we get too number focused and we're too obsessed with our tracking we can have issues of further imbalance in the body Um, and so one of the biggest things that we see is these type a uh trackers which are making like the spreadsheets Mm -hmm. and whatnot Mm -hmm. they're not being intuitive and and the body is not stagnant the body like we said earlier it's going to fluctuate there's going to be some days that you are hungrier than others and there's other days that it feels really natural to do an intermittent fasting day and this it's okay to have a plan but it's superior to become intuitive and learn how to listen to your body So let's talk a little bit about priorities with macros. And so like I said, the first thing you do need to do is limit carbohydrates. And in general, we do start off with 30 grams of total carbohydrates a day, which is more restrictive than actually a lot of people. Um, A lot of programs will use like 60 grams or 30 grams of net carbs. And I really don't like to use net carbs. You know, we were just discussing it in the constructs of the uh, bars, the cheesecake bars, but we don't use net carbs in our language because often when you're talking net carbs, that's an opportunity for a product of the food industry to have manipulation mm-hmm. on their label, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Oh, totally. What did you say? Yep. So that's where often you know we'll see like inulin and these prebiotic fibers, which are really gut bomb disasters and um, not something necessarily that would be desired to put into our body. So you do need to limit carbohydrates most definitely because what you need to do is reduce the glycogen stores and the glucose release that's stimulating insulin influx So that your body has to get thrifty and produce ketones out of oxidizing your fat stores or the fat in your diet. And that's the process of producing ketones as an alternate fuel source when glucose levels are low, right? And you lower those glucose and insulin levels by restricting carbs. So we do start that kind of point blank. Um, But your fat threshold is something that's a lot more open for interpretation. And I think, you know, when keto became kind of on trend on the heels of paleo after its sizzle from the, you know, movement when we were looking at the 1980s approach of a low carb diet, um, we have seen that you don't need to chase this four to one ratio of macros of fat being more than you know four times the par- protein and carbohydrate. Really, that model is what's used with epilepsy and management of neurological conditions. But most people that are trying to do nutritional ketosis or using a ketogenic diet, they're looking for cognitive enhancement, they're looking for hormone balance, and honestly, the majority are looking for body composition change, um, you know, mobilizing their own body fat stores and maintaining their muscle mass. So it doesn't make sense to chase fat in the diet to try to burn fat and, and um, lose body fat. You actually have to liberate some of that fat on your body by calorie restricting. And that also means a moderate fat restriction and maybe driving further with protein. So you know your macro pie chart might look like 10% from carbohydrate and it might look like from fat, you know, and then it might look like 30% from protein instead of ensuring that you have 70% of your intake or greater from fat. Sure. And I have
1: to say, it's a much more pleasant I think way of eating too, where you're not having to constantly think, oh, I need to dump heavy cream on this or like put five tablespoons of, you know, fat in my bulletproof Coffee, well that's gonna hinder weight loss and it's probably also not gonna sit very well digestively. And and that's something I feel like we're rescuing people from all the time.
2: Oh, most definitely. And also rescuing a lot of people from protein malnourishment. Uh Totally. You know, I mean protein plays such an important role in optimizing your mood. You know, all of those amino acids play a role into neurotransmitter production. We're talking about support for our immune health, our cognitive function. Hair loss and fatigue and brain fog, kind of those are the big three things I see as protein deficiency symptoms. And once we've screened for thyroid, it's like, okay, oh, you're only getting 40 grams of protein a day. Well, your body's starving and it's mimicking a disease process right now because it's sparing your hair for other important necessary processes that those amino acids are required for for survival.
1: Totally, And so in our program, even if someone's calculating, you know, their, their total calories to be pretty significantly low, um, we often will tell them, you know, 60 grams is kind of your bare minimum of of protein. Even if your calculations tell you otherwise, we want you to adjust that pie chart based on, you know, goals of supporting immune health and mood and memory and not losing all of your hair and being really tired and, and making this an unsustainable process at the end of the day.
2: Most definitely. And so, 60 grams of protein for those of you listeners that want kind of like a visual for that, each ounce of biological protein is seven grams. So, that means that the individual might have, you know, three eggs at their, uh, maybe they're breaking their fast at noon and they're having three eggs there. So, that's going to be about 20 grams of protein. And that would mean that then they need, to have six ounces of biological protein, you know, at minimum for their evening meal. So like a six ounce burger patty, grass fed burger patty with half an avocado and some salad greens and some olive oil and lemon or whatnot would work really beautifully to get them to that minimum 60. But If they only had those three eggs and then they only had you know a sausage cut up which was maybe you know 18 grams of protein or something like that they're definitely going to be sitting with deficiency and this is where individuals that are doing this for body composition change and weight loss can really see the value of using our non-denatured grass-fed way because it's an easy insurance policy if you will to meet your protein need and it's also very predictable. It's easy as kind of a go-to as all of our schedules get wildly chaotic because mm-hmm. this is like the calm before the storm. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting out that warning <laughs> siren. <laughs> I think that there'll be like an opening of, I'm hoping, bliss and celebration and warmness, but there's going to be also a lot of anxiety and a, and a storm type kind of energy oh, yeah. of uncertainty and whatnot. Uh-huh. So to have a plan and to have like a really solid uh, protein shake, uh, one of our most popular ones in the class is called ABC, which is an almond butter cacao blend. And this uses quality almond milk, um, almond milk being lower fat than coconut milk, right? And so whenever we're talking coconut milk, we're talking about the canned coconut Mm -hmm. milk, the real deal versus like the carton. And for almond milk, I love a brand called Malk, which is um, out of texas actually and they just use himalayan salt and almonds and water so there's no additives or stabilizers so doing like eight ounces of that almond milk with a tablespoon or two teaspoons your choice of cacao powder and then like a tablespoon of almond butter blending that up and adding in that scoop of that grass-fed whey is like a really easy delicious like kind of almond butter cup vibe. And, um, even subbing that out for cold brew coffee can be a delightful treat Mm -hmm. in the heat of summer (laughs) as well. Yes.
1: Yes. Really good way to bump up that protein, you know, adding another 20 plus grams per scoop of whey, because 60 grams of protein is still a very low goal for most people.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, we really use fat more as the satiety lever. So based on your hunger, we can see underfeeding and fat driving imbalances with leptin. And, um, you know, Becky and I both can experience that. And that's why we strategically use carb cycling in our protocol because we both run low body fat. And so in order to get that appropriate fat to tell our body that we are satiated and well fed, Um, It requires a decent amount of fat. But I've also seen people on the other end of the spectrum taking in 150 grams of fat a day looking for weight loss. And it's like, you're not going to liberate any of your body fat eating that much fat. You... And then if you're starving your body of protein, it's adding insult to injury because you do get, of course, some muscle sparing activity with nutritional ketosis. You do get an increase of HGH, your human growth hormone, and there is some muscle sparing effect. But at the end of the day, you do need protein to fuel your muscle mass. And if you are restricting and overfeeding in fat, you're not going to turn fat into protein. You can turn fat into fuel. But you can't really turn fat into protein.
1: Yep. And that's where I'd caution against the kind of one size fits all macro calculators that if you Google like keto macro calculator, they're going to be using those much higher fat ratios of potentially 70 plus percent fat. So kind of dialing that down and understanding that some days will be really dynamically different. And that's really the lever, you know, you want to make sure you hit your protein Hitting your carbs is probably going to be no problem to do if you're eating a good amount of vegetable matter. And then the fat can go up and down based on hunger and and kind of what you're feeling that day.
2: Absolutely. And then all of this will be varied based on season, based on exercise, based on your place in your hormone cycle, based on your micronutrient status, uh, where your thyroid and adrenals are at and so much more.
1: Okay. You guys getting a common theme of listen to your body and stay flexible.
2: Um, So pitfall
1: number three would be really trying to like muscle it when your body is under stress and not adapting your keto based on your body's
2: feedback. Oh yeah. The white knuckle effect Uh of like trust the plan, trust the plan, trust the plan.
1: And you're six months into the plan and maybe, you know, things have gone the opposite direction. So it's time to pivot. Yes,
2: most definitely. And sometimes that means eating a little bit more. Sometimes that means moving your body a little bit less. Sometimes that means committing to less and sleeping more. Or being super proactive in bubble wrapping the inevitable stress if you're going through a divorce or you have a really intensive season with your job or, or whatnot. And we do really empower you with the connections of the HPA axis, which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenals. And we have found time and time again that if we are putting out excessive cortisol um, or we are not supporting our primary stress gland of the adrenals cortisol is a glucocorticoid so cortisol itself does create blood sugar spike in the body and it also increases body fat gain and it's the visceral fat the stuff that's more dangerous and closer to your organs and it's also the undesirable belly fat that we see from the cortisol and then that further interferes with our testosterone and estrogen and we can definitely get into a downstream unfurling level of imbalance totally and i think this is something especially right now
1: and just stress is kind of at a (laughs) a higher level just in the ether, I guess. Um, this is something I've been kind of dialing clients back on their intermittent fasting protocol, maybe taking that away completely or shifting them from a naked fast to more of a fat fast or shifting their window to just 12 hours instead of 16. Um, and I've had a lot of clients who do test their ketones and have seen like way higher fasting blood glucose without changing, you know, anything Um, diet wise, I'm like, dude, it's stress.
2: Yep. Especially that dawn phenomenon when you're waking in the morning with those high fasting blood sugar levels. I mean, one of the biggest tools that we'll use is relax and regulate, which has that magnesium bisglycinate in there. That's in our ketosis essentials bundle because that relax and regulate also helps with electrolyte stability and the muscle cramping that can occur as you lose hydration, right? Carbohydrates hold water on you. So there's definitely a recalibration there of fluids. Um, But the relax and regulate also that form of magnesium crosses the blood-brain barrier and it blocks the pituitary in the brain from chronically stimulating those adrenals. So you're not kind of on guard, if you will, while you're sleeping. You're able to get into a deeper parasympathetic place. And um, that's really important for immune health as well because we know excess cortisol suppresses the immune system. Um, Like I said, we know that it also plays a role with driving blood sugar spikes, and even increasing insulin resistance, which then interferes with our inflammatory processes. So all things to, to keep into consideration. And the other connection of the adrenal glands, the adrenal glands make cortisol and DHEA. So DHEA is that um, you know more metabolic compound that metabolizes into testosterone and estrogen, but DHEA is also required to aid in ketone production. So we often will see that that's a big tool of of troubleshooting for someone that's not able to register ketones is working with their adrenals, maybe getting them going with the adrenal rehab bundle um, where they're getting that glandular compound and the adaptogen boost so that they have more resilience to stress without going into those adrenals as a demander. And that can really be a piece of the puzzle. And not only does that produce ketones, but again, back to the full stream, it helps you feel more cognitively on fire, you're sharper, you're grounded, you're balanced, your libido picks back up. And so you feel better in your body.
1: Yeah. So kind of both ends of that spectrum of um, either cortisol highs or, or insufficiency can certainly hinder ketosis. Yes. Okay. And then fasting, you know, totally comes into play, as I mentioned here too. And, and as I said, I've had to take clients off who are feeling like keyed up by the current climate or showing signs of, or even in uh, neurotransmitter testing, seeing like elevated
2: epinephrine. Which I have. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) I always have had, but it's been higher than ever. um, And I can understand the whys behind that. But uh, I would say definitely listen to episode 148 of the podcast. We have an episode called Fasting and Time-Restricted Eating. And I think I talk about a scenario of a uh, client of mine who, he was really gung-ho. He was low percent body fat and he had a super low leptin level and leptin again is that satiety hormone right which is only made from fat in the diet or body fat so he was running low body fat and then he decided to do a three-day water fast Mm -hmm. which i advised against And on the second or third night, he had to get checked into the emergency room because he thought that there were spiders crawling on his body because his epinephrine level was so high. Um, His body was literally in like survival mode, freak out mode because it was starving. (laughs) Um, So don't do that. Don't, going back to this whole circle, don't white knuckle the plan because you heard from someone that it was a good approach to upregulate autophagy while you throw your body into shock I'm pretty confident that that's not health supporting and that you're not going to get benefits of cellular cleanup and anti-aging when your body is at that level of distress.
1: Totally. And just because something's not working for you right now doesn't mean it won't work in the future, but there might be something that you need to shift and change before, you know, you try again with the fasting or before you go back into that tight
2: keto. Absolutely. So let's take a moment and hear a word from our sponsor today, Wild Foods. Wild Foods is a company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. My pantry is definitely stocked with a lot of goodies from Wild Foods, and they have everything from coffee to turmeric to medicinal mushrooms. And every single product is painstakingly sourced from small farms around the globe. They have a really serious mission to fix the broken food system, and they believe, just like we do, that real food is medicine. So they've partnered with us to give you guys an exclusive discount. You can use the code AllieMillerRD for 12% off of your order. And I want to go through and highlight some of our favorite products over at Wild Foods. Um, One that I want to call out since we're on the topic of fasting is their teas. Um, Teas are a fantastic way to increase antioxidant capacity, which has a lot of anti-aging effects. We know that as we increase antioxidants, we reduce free radicals, which means that our cells actually have more optimal function, less dirt for them to deal with, if you will. And polyphenols have been shown in research to also support the immune system. In fact, they can increase your levels of interferon, which is your primary innate immune system defense. We also see that the catechins in green tea can aid with stimulating body fat burn. And the blends that they put together are just absolutely fantastic. Really great tools as a way to extend your fast if you're looking to do a pure fast, meaning just water, coffee, or tea. Um, Some of my favorites are their coconut chai and their Chai G, which is made with green rooibos, ginger, lemongrass, and lime, really beautiful. And then the coconut chai is a red rooibos. So both of these are caffeine-free options. Fantastic in the evening Mm -hmm. when you're looking to kind of break up with potentially your like COVID dessert trend that you picked up on. This is a great replacement. (laughs) Um, So this one has ginger, coconut flakes in there, as well as um, saffron and chili flakes. It's beautiful.
1: Such a good point for extending a fast or kind of closing the fasting window, but still feeling like you're having a little bit of a treat in the evening. And then I'll call out their matcha on the trend of tea um, because I think there are so many matcha powders out there off the shelf that are oxidized or not high quality. And Wild Foods matcha is legit. So this is a fine powder. It's made from the stone ground green tea leaves. And instead of infusing the leaves, you're whisking it into water or into a recipe like Allie's matcha gelatin pudding in the anti-anxiety diet or making like a really awesome fatty matcha latte with ice, which sounds amazing right now. And you're getting 100% of the nutrients that are inside of those tea leaves. So about the equivalent of 10 glasses of regular brewed brewed green tea in one serving plus it's got that bright green color and the flavor that you actually want from matcha versus like the brown kind of sad
2: oxidized yeah it's a really nice bright vibrant matcha and we know that the health benefits of l-theanine are phenomenal so not only are you getting 10 times those antioxidants that i was speaking to you're getting l-theanine which is a modulator for our brain chemistry it really helps us to get into that alpha brainwave space for concentration and focus and alertness in a zen mellow space. And the last thing I'll call out is, um, and I think they just got it back in stock because they were out for a while, is the Cocotropic, which is their wild superfood elixir. It's an awesome blend of uh, medicinal mushrooms. So there's reishi and chaga mushroom extract, there's raw maca powder and wild turmeric and cacao and you can sip it in your protein shakes or make it up like a hot cocoa. And it is fantastic. It's a great cognitive enhancer while still allowing mood improvement and overall relaxation. Um, high antioxidant capacity, and just one that I've had a lot of fun playing with in my kitchen. So go on over to wildfoods.co.com, wildfoods.co, put in the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, and you will get 12% off your order, and vote with your dollar letting them know that you learned about them from the Naturally Nourished podcast.
1: I've heard from several clients actually in the past couple of weeks that we are responsible for getting them hooked on the Cocotropic. So I'm not surprised that they were out of it for a little bit. Um, but it's really good stuff. (laughs) Um, all right. Pitfall number four, moving right along. And this one is not supporting your body's detox pathways during keto.
2: Yeah, so that's a big one. And um, not only is it the first idea of eating whole, real foods and not doing a dirty keto, right? It's not just about your macros, it's about fueling your body with food as medicine, eating anti inflammatory foods, eating foods that are rich in polyphenols and antioxidants, um, eating foods that provide us a variety of bioflavonoids, right? So it's getting health supporting compounds. But the concern with keto is you are liberating your body fat. If if you're successfully losing weight, I should say, with a ketogenic diet, you are liberating your body fat as a fuel source, which is a beautiful form of detoxification. But if you are, if your pathways are burdened with a toxin load or they don't have the nutrients required for phase one and phase two of the biochemical pathways of nutritional detoxification, then you're creating stagnation or buildup in the body. So when you lose that body fat, you're also liberating toxins, which can then create more damage than how they were dormantly stored in your body fat. Now they're susceptible to injure your vital organs or hit other cells of concern. A lot of these toxins are endocrine disruptors, meaning that they can interfere with our thyroid. They can interfere with our sexual hormone balance, a lot of them driving estrogen dominance. And we know that our fat cells themselves, our adipocytes, are actually hormone modulators as well. As you liberate fat, that creates estrogenic Um, influence on your hormones so we've talked about in a couple troubleshooting episodes how a lot of people will have like various like breakthrough bleeds or changes in their menstrual cycle as they get fat adapted because they might be breaking down fibroids or liberating estrogen or seeing some of these changes with leptin which is going to give different signal to their thyroid or their ovaries but the deeper dive element is it's super important to provide nutrient density to aid in both the activation of our toxins making those fat soluble toxins water soluble and then the encapsulation and excretion of phase 2 of detoxification actually removing those toxins from our body yes and and this is you know twofold in that you want to
1: be incorporating those compounds that support detox ongoing and maybe even bringing in, if you are experiencing maybe some hormonal imbalance, um, bringing in something like our ultimate detox or even our detox packs on an ongoing basis. And then, you know, there's the flip side of of that, you know, when you've lost 10% of body weight, you probably want to pause and pivot a little bit and actually go through our 10 day detox program and this is where, you know, a lot of people I think hit a, a stall in their keto progress. And yeah. detox is one of the first things that we recommend if you've been hanging out at the same weight and you still have a goal of, you know, 10 more pounds, but you've been successful so far. Um, that's a really good way to kind of break through that plateau and reset
2: most definitely I can't tell you how many times I've had people on Instagram tell me hey I'm on day six of your 10-day detox and I'm producing ketones I've been checking with my meter and I haven't made ketones in six months and here I am it's so easy and it's like yep your liver Mm -hmm. not only manages hormones and not only reduces toxins from your body and serves as that primary detoxifying gland but it's also the organ that produces ketones (laughs) so when you love it it can also help so significantly with things like fertility um we see huge outcomes in hormones and metabolism when you actually participate in the 10-day detox and then supporting detox ongoing by having ample fiber in your diet. So we love chia seed. A tablespoon of chia seed is 10 grams of fiber. Clean proteins, ensuring that your choices are hormone free, antibiotic free, and pasture raised. Um, Ensuring that you're getting ample fluid and maintaining that hydration status that actually dilutes the toxins and supports your kidneys in filtering your blood into urine ensuring that you're getting that reset of your microbiome with probiotics in the diet that aid in the digestive process and regulate metabolism and then eating things that drive bile flow so looking at like bitter leafy greens incorporating lemon um, and even like we were just talking about things like tea Um, and sulfur is so important and this is why we always joke that you can't do a juice cleanse to detoxify Um, you know you want to have N-acetylcysteine which is also known as NAC and you want to have glutathione and these are really rich in like your alliums, like your onions, your garlic uh, your leeks, we also know that sulfur is very rich in the cruciferous family like our broccoli, our cauliflower our Brussels sprouts, all really important players, Um, not sure how much the benefit of the cauliflower is when you're smashing that with a five cups of cheese into a pizza crust with corn (laughs) so you know just go back to that whole head of roasted cauliflower and you also get those powerful amino acids from protein. So we did just revamp in January, our 10 day detox. Um, we will put a link to that. If that resonates with you, um, we have a keto or low glycemic protocol with it, but it's a fantastic process. And if you're not what ready to commit to the keto program in um, May, then maybe the 10 day detox is a good reboot on the tail end of this shelter in place as well. Oh, totally,
1: totally, totally. I'll link
2: to that in the show
1: notes, and then I'll also call out episode eighty-four. And I think we owe you guys probably an updated um, why detox matters with keto since it's been over a hundred episodes. So I'll add that into our yeah into our hat of podcast topics.
2: I think so. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right, and finally, let's hit this last one. And and this is again where you know how you keto really matters. And um, a lot of times we see you know nutrient deficiency with keto, whether it's because we're avoiding certain groups of foods or you know because we are um, too stringent on certain aspects of our keto, or it could just be increased demand that we're not uh, repleting with our keto
2: right and so right increased demand could be things like growing a baby perhaps (laughs) or running a marathon or burning the midnight oil and not getting ample sleep so it, it totally does come down to eating whole real foods and we see a lot of the pitfalls the first one i kind of called out already which is protein malnourishment So that's really important. And then I think that part of one of the big benefits of the carnivore approach is that it's very rich in carnitine. Um, You know, carnitine is really high in our red meat. Um, It plays a big role in shuttling fat as fuel. And that can even be accelerated when we have optimal status of vitamin C, which that would be the non-carnivore element where you're going to be getting the vitamin C from produce, um, as well as we see pantothenate and niacin supporting the metabolism of fat as fuel. And we know that when you are making ketones and you're looking for body fat burn, that carnitine demand even goes up higher. And sometimes just consuming red meat is not enough, even if you are having red meat daily. So the Boost and Burn supplement is really the, the go-to tool in our repertoire. It's also in our Keto Essentials Bundle and it has two grams of carnitine per serving. Um, And that plays a dynamic role in helping your body to produce ketones, which is highly superior in my opinion than taking exogenous ketones um, because that's just circulating ketones through your bloodstream without your body actually liberating your fat to produce. And most of you want the body fat burn in that production pathway. Totally. And really good one, whether you're
1: hitting a keto slump and not making ketones or just getting started, I find that's a really good tool for combating some of the keto flu symptoms too.
2: Yes. And I have to state that that is one of the products that does have a non-caloric sweetener in there. There is stevia in there. We had to choose good, better, best options. Um, And carnitine does taste like stinky fish if it didn't have any flavor enhancer in there and we needed to include something that was non-caloric so that we could use the boost and burn with our clinical ketogenic neurological clients because the boost and burn is such a big tool for our mitochondria so when we're talking about things like multiple sclerosis or various forms of mitochondrial burnout chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia Parkinson's disease this is a really powerful supplement for that whole neurological family and we did need to to choose that option there and so again I just want to be clear anytime there feels like an incongruency that was a known selection for the product which I still put in a different category than a food you're not chugging that daily you know and setting your palate based on that yeah
1: It's a tool and and aren't you glad our new website will include FAQs like this Yes,
2: (laughs) on each product? Yeah, so the other one I would go to is omega-3s. So I think that although the ketogenic diet is very high in fat and I have no problem with saturated fats, especially if they're coming from well-sourced proteins, which will actually have more conjugated linoleic acids like CLAs, which actually aid in insulin resistance and boost lean body mass and metabolism we still need our oleic acid from our olives and our avocado and we still need our omega-3 fatty acids from our marine life like our wild shellfish and fish so the omega-3s really play a big role with regulating the inflammation in the body and as you do go through the weight loss process often inflammation can be a Um, break to your metabolism if your body is in a state of puffy inflamed protective mode it's not going to reduce that swelling and you're not going to see that optimized metabolism so we often will layer in like the epa dha extra which is our omega-3 fatty acid that is molecularly distilled third-party tested for things like mercury toxins dioxins anything that we'd be concerned about in our current state of polluted oceans Um, and so that's why we go forward with the distilled option to ensure that it is clean for all those things. And you still get that anti-inflammatory effect.
1: And then beyond omega-3s, I think electrolyte imbalance or deficiency in some of our electrolytes. It's a big
2: area of focus as well. Totally. So yeah, like I mentioned before, the Relax and Regulate is a great tool there for the magnesium in that sense. I'm always a bigger fan of ensuring that your magnesium is bisglycinate or glycinate form. If you see a blend on your magnesium bottle, they're going to use the cheapest first. So, oxide and citrate is going to take the majority of the weight, and that's not going to help you do anything other than blow up your booty. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true, right? It is. It's osmotic, um, meaning that it flushes water to your colon. So, yeah, you're not going to get a a big benefit from that. It's just going to pass right through Mm you. And if anything, it's going to cause probably more electrolyte imbalance down the line. With the looser stool. Yeah. 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 Um, So I like to just do half of an avocado with like Redmond real salt. um, And I like to do lemon or lime juice with that. Maybe I'll add some cumin or hot sauce if I want to be fancy. I just eat that with a spoon as I'm going back into a a tighter keto um, to help to maintain that electrolyte stability. And then I'm doing that relax and regulate all the time anyway, because not only does it have the magnesium bisglycinate, but it also has that myo-inositol, and that's such a powerful player for regulating hormone and anxiety. Totally.
1: Okay. So we've hit five pitfalls for today and covered a lot of ground from being you know, too married to this yes-no food list approach, to being too married to your macros, to white-knuckling it to not supporting detox and finally nutrient deficiency. Do you want to close out with a couple of rapid fire questions?
2: Sure. Let's do All it. Right. <laughs> let's do it.
1: Okay. Uh, so first one here, we kind of hit on this, but let's just give them some like very direct recommendations help. I'm seeing high fasting glucose in the morning recently and practically no ketones. I've been ketone for a year and this has never happened to me before. I haven't changed my diet at all. Do you think it could be stress? Should I change up my fasting or supplement routine?
2: Yeah, I think it's totally stress. (laughs) Um, And I think I already mentioned that the Relax and Regulate works Mm -hmm. well in that evening time to block that pituitary gland to stimulate the adrenals. And then um, Calm and Clear would be the other go-to that I would say. So maybe the anti-anxiety jumpstart bundle would be the best place to start or the stress manager bundle and adding in the Relax and Regulate um, those would be great things to, to consider as far as changing up your supplement routine. I'd probably also make sure you're not taking anything that's stimulating your adrenals. Um, and then I would watch based on the timing of your intake, um, You know, making sure that you're getting deep, restful, qualitative sleep and you might play with the variants of what you do with your body in the morning um, routine, whether you're doing a fast or whether you want to have protein earlier in the day or whether you're incorporating exercise or walking. Um, And as well as even the type of the style that you're waking up, like what kind of alarm are Mm -hmm. you using? Um, Are you incorporating any meditation or mantra or like framing your day with gratitude? Or does it just start with your child coming in and screaming? Uh Um, You know, so you have to kind of think about the stress involved in our, in our waking routine as much as our sleeping rituals.
1: Or are you scrolling the news before bed? Or the first thing when you wake up is flipping open your phone and looking at like, all of the updates that happened overnight. I don't recommend that for your cortisol for sure. Yeah, that can (laughs) set the
2: tone a little bit off, I would say. Uh,
1: Totally. Um, Okay, this one's from Erica Lau. If you haven't already covered this, we've covered it, but we'll hit it in like a brief one sentence. Can you talk about reasons you would use a fat fast approach versus eating a full meal in the morning in the context of stress to the body?
2: Yeah. So you would use a fat fast as a tool of intermittent fasting to gain the benefits of maintaining fat adaptation. So maintaining that state of the body using fat as fuel um, and keeping glucose levels very regulated and low. Um, And you would do this in the status of someone that has lower leptin levels if they know that from testing or runs lower body fat and high stress. Um, an individual that has more than 30 pounds of weight loss as a goal probably would do more of a benefit from just doing a pure fast of like just tea or just water or just coffee. The thing that I caution with just coffee is that coffee often drives up epinephrine. So you might consider the benefit of at least adding CBD oil to your coffee or doing a half-calf um, because you do want to watch that stress response as well. But the fat fast as opposed to eating breakfast, would be that it's giving you that cognitive enhancement, it's maintaining a little bit higher ketone production than eating a meal would, and it's likely maintaining some calorie restriction still um, and it's lighter load on your digestive system. So if you're not ready to put food in your system right away and break things down, um, I find that the fat fast works really well for me and then I'm even adding in collagen now um, because I find that the benefits for connective tissue, hair, skin, nails, and gut and getting that little bit of protein is still advantageous to me and it's still a fat dominant start to my day and it's still lower calorie than if on the weekends I chose to have, you know, three eggs and avocado and sprouts and things like that.
1: Yeah, Definitely head back to episode 148 for a very detailed episode, all about different kinds of fasts you can do. And, and, you know, that's an area too, where you might have to break the dogma of, you know, what yeah. conventional keto a fat fast or a fast is
2: totally. Okay. Let's do one more. Okay.
1: Well, this one, I like her name. So I'm going <laughs> to do the one from calling all coconuts.
2: Ooh, I like that. too.
1: Uh, how did you learn everything you know about keto? I'm getting my master's in nutrition right now and they definitely don't go that in depth into keto. Thank you. Double smiley face.
2: Okay. So <laughs> I would recommend, um, taking our 12 week yep. virtual food as medicine <laughs> ketosis class. I, I hate to end with a plug, but I'm gonna, um, we've had, anywhere from physicians to pharmacists to nurse practitioners to dietitians to professors of dietetic programs to moms to dads to siblings to whatever you name it right so any level of the scope of education and we've seen significant value from all participants because we do go deep dive and there's always something to learn Um, Where I learned about it, I honestly don't even know. I think it's just been experiential in my own um, curiosity and and digging into biochemistry. Um, You know, there weren't a lot of modules also in like the IFM, the Institute of Functional Medicine doesn't really dig deep into it. Um, even in like the cardiometabolic, um, tier of it, I did my first job out of, um, my dietetic internship was running a ketogenic weight loss clinic. So obviously that had a a lot to do with it. And, um, I had interned prior at, um, Methodist hospital weight management clinic where they also did a ketogenic diet preceding, uh, bariatric surgery. So I did, I did know a little bit of that in that sense, but it, it was using, you know, process products and I don't think the right functional approach. And so I had to kind of write the script and that's what the program has really been created out of is my passion to share my education on how this metabolic state of ketosis can be extremely liberating how you can really experience food freedom and tame cravings and balance hormones i mean one of my favorite things is all of the keto babies that we see from you know people that have been struggling with years of infertility and they just needed that slingshot to their hormones of a reset button and we know that the sexual hormone binding globulin and insulin resistance are so connected right so So much can be seen when we control carbohydrate intake and when we fuel our body with food as medicine. And I hope you will all join us. Um, Go on over to alimillerrd.com. Check out the 12-week program. Grab your spot. We start May 27th, and I can't wait to meet you all in class one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast.